The Guardian. Welcome to the Digested Classic podcast, which this week goes back to 1954. John Crace chews over Lucky Jim, Kingsley Amis's much-loved comic caper which gave birth to the campus novel. Here's John's quick study of Amos's tale of male chauvinism and class war, academe and excessive alcohol. Lucky Jim by Kingsley Amis. I was wondering if you might care to join us for the weekend, Dixon, said Professor Welch. My son, Bertrand, the artist, will be down from London. We'll be putting on some shows. It should be tremendous fun. There was nothing that Jim would have liked to have done less than spend a weekend with the ghastly Welches. But he hadn't got off to the best of starts with his head of department at the university, and he was concerned for his job. I should love to come. Good, said Welch. And one more thing. I'd like you to give the open lecture on Merry England. It had been several weeks since Margaret had taken overdose of sleeping pills after Catchpole had left her, and Jim was feeling guilty that he hadn't been to visit her before. Thank you for displaying such tact and giving me a bit of distance, Margaret said, leaning towards him in an unconvincing display of romantic melancholy. Jim felt a mild surge of panic. He was happy to skewer everyone else for their class-bound pretensions and emotional dishonesty, and yet he wasn't at all ready to tell Margaret the truth. So he allowed himself his usual contemptuous asides about her plainness, which he passed off as comedy, before telling her how much he was looking forward to seeing her at the Welches. The evening had not gone well. His lack of culture had been exposed in the plain song. He had insulted the absurd, berry-wearing Bertrand and mistaken his new girlfriend, Christine Callahan, for his previous one. To cap it all, someone had informed the Welches of his surreptitious trip to the pub. Still, it had had its moments of slapstick, and being inebriated had its recompenses. He kissed Margaret and was surprised to find a flicker of passion. His hand moved to her leg. "'How dare you, James!' she exclaimed. "'Who do you take me for?' Dixon was alive again, a dusty thudding pounding in his head. Something was wrong. His sheets were charred. "'How unlucky I am!' he said to himself, failing to make the connection between smoking in bed while drunk and the mess he was in. "'Yes, you are very unlucky,' said Christine, who happened to be passing by his room and was also prone to confuse misfortune with self-pity. "'Let me help you tidy up. With any luck, the Welches won't notice.' "'Oh, I get the picture,' said Margaret.' who also happened to be passing by his room. But you don't, Jim groaned. Though on reflection, he did. He was in a farce, not a satire, so why should he bother with the fictional niceties of character development and the conceit of luck? Why didn't he just lurch from one comic set piece to another? 
I trust you'll be joining us at the ball, Dixon, Professor Welch inquired. Then I'd better get to work on the next setup, Jim said. That will mean a lot more drinking and sneering at you behind your back, not to mention some complicated byplay in which I can use some of my legendary funny phone voices to persuade Bertrand, who is secretly having an unlikely affair with another lecturer, Carol Goldsmith, and whom he was planning to take to the ball, to invite Christine instead, because he's desperate to get a job with her influential uncle, Julius Gore Urquhart. It was getting late. I'm suddenly bored with all this comedic social climbing, Jim said to Christine. And I think you are too. Allow me to take you home in a taxi. Oh, James, she said, kissing him hard. I can tell you have a pure and noble gentility, what I would give to be with you. And yet it cannot be so, for however brutish Bertrand may be, I have given him my word. And my nobility prevents me from telling you that Bertrand is having an affair with Carol. In any case, I have a duty to remain with Margaret, even though our relationship has been built on her romantic misreading of our friendship. It's too bloody. It's too, too bloody. Jim pinched himself to make sure he hadn't wandered into a pastiche of brief encounter. Apparently not, he said to himself as his chippiness and levity returned. Perhaps it was time for another prank call to the Welches. You can only hope to pull off that kind of gag once in a book, Dixon, Welch snapped. Ah oh, well, I'd better cut to the lecture then. His head swam. That seventh whisky hadn't been a good idea. He'd meant to give a bland account of all the old cultural mores that Welch held dear. But once he'd seen Christine walk out with Carol, he hadn't been able to help himself and had ended by ridiculing his cosy pretensions. You're fired, said Welch. And keep your hands off, Christine, Bertrand snarled. She's mine. She's far too good for an oik like you. Jim had started packing when the phone rang. It's Catchpole here, the voice said. Margaret was lying about me and her attempted suicide. Then I don't have an obligation to the dull, ugly one anymore, and I'm free to run off with the rich, beautiful one. And I'm going to offer you the job Bertrand wanted, Gore Urquhart said. Aaron Carroll told me about her affair with Bertrand, so I am no longer pledged to him, Christine whispered. So all the loose ends are conveniently tied up, and I've fought off my bad luck to prove I really am the handsomest, cleverest and richest man in the world. Dream on, Kingsley, said his friends. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.